Events for Breakfast, your go-to guide for advice, top tips and events industry insights. My podcast is delivered in bite-sized chunks to help you digest information and expand your events expertise. Hello you lovely lot and welcome to this week's episode of the Events for Breakfast podcast. Now I'm Kelly Brew, your podcast host and before we get into the detail of this week's episode, let's just check in and see how everybody's doing. Now I don't know about you but I've had a really productive week. I've been very busy delivering a virtual event which was a global event for over 300 people and there was different time zones, different cultures involved and lots of different content that we had to deliver. Now when we were doing this, when planning the content, we really had to think about our audience to understand them, to understand their behaviours and the different cultures were involved in that and to really understand how we could engage with them in the best possible way. And the reason I'm telling you this is because it actually ties in really nicely with this week's episode, which is the psychology of events. Now I'm gonna be interviewing Victoria Matey, who runs Matey Events, and she is an event psychologist. Now for some of us, we might be sitting there going, do you know what, what does that mean? An event psychology is looking at the behavior and the science and the insights behind the people involved in the events and who we're delivering them for. So if we think about a person, we'll think about what they'll think, what they'll feel and what they'll do. And when we're delivering events, when planning those events, we have to think about the environment that the people will be in, the food we serve and how that's received, the content and how to make sure it's the most engaging content for your audience, and also the format of the event. So this all comes into the psychology and Victoria is the expert in this. And she's gonna talk us through in hopefully really plain terms so we can all understand it, why it's beneficial to really understand the psychology of events. So let's get straight into the interview and I will catch up with you at the end. Enjoy. Welcome, Victoria. Thank you so much for your time today. I'm really looking forward to this conversation because there's so much to dig into. So welcome. Thank you so much for having me. Oh no, honestly, I can't wait to dive into this conversation. So I'm firstly going to ask you, just could you please tell us a little bit about yourself and how you became involved in events, please? Okay, well, I uh, I started uh, doing events back like 15 years ago, I think. And uh, that was actually by chance. I, I haven't got a degree or, you know, like traditional education in the, in the, in the area, in the field. And I, uh, I got my first uh, university degree in linguistics. Yeah. And uh, I, um, uh, I worked for the university and at the time I worked for the uh, international office and so we did a lot of projects and that involved you know events as well yeah. and so I gradually got involved into that and I realized that um, it's something that I wanted to do and it's something that I was really interested in so um, I you know I started doing that and um, at some point I, I thought that I, I, I wanted to get a, a formal education yeah. um, in, in events and I, um, and I got it from the University of Surrey. So I was a mature student by that time yeah. and that was my second degree. Uh, so uh, the first one was in linguistics and that one was particularly in uh, international events management. So um, 
And, and I, by that time, you know, I had already got a lot of uh, experience working for, uh, for companies and uh, uh, with different projects and different events. And I mainly specialized um, uh, in, in business events, sort of, uh, you know, conferences and uh, exhibitions and small uh, workshops or trainings, things like that. And um, uh, yeah, I mean, I just, I was fortunate enough to work uh, internationally and with, uh, you know, uh, people from different countries in those international projects. So yes, this is how I got there. Lovely. What a great story. Hey, you do find a lot of people sort of fall into events. They find the love and then they just. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, I guess it's it's the most common path into events. Absolutely. And you know, even even now, uh, so I I started in Russia, and this is where I I lived uh, at that time, and um, uh, there was no formal or traditional education in in the field, yeah. uh, and since since then, you know. Um, I, I know that uh, there are programs right now that um, you know are being developed, but still, you know, it's uh, it's not like in the U.S. or the U.K. where events industry has this um, you know education uh, uh, like basis, right? Yeah. So uh, it was, it was, it, and, and still it's interesting. And even, even with this education basis, a lot of people in the UK or, or in the US still fall into, into events rather than go from, from, you know, from having a degree, acquiring a degree and then getting into, into the field. No, it's very true. I mean, in the UK now, there are a lot more sort of events management graduate degrees that you can do, um, and people do choose that as a path now. But probably mm -hmm. when you and I were starting out our careers, that was something very different then, wasn't Absolutely. it? Absolutely, yes. So I'm, I'm also really interested in your business. Um, and as I told you before we started recording, I had a good look around your website and what you do, and I'm fascinated by the psychology of events. So can you talk to me about what Matey Events does and, and what you do as a business? Right. So I started many events, um, and this is a business events consultancy, uh, back in uh, 2015, I think. So it was five years uh, anniversary for me last year. <laughs> yeah, thank you. And, um, and actually, you know, it was a sort of evolution because I haven't started as the consultancy per se. I, I started as, a, as an educational blog. And um, uh, I just wanted to share what I, um, you know, acquired uh, and my expertise and experience throughout the years uh, to to those who were not fortunate enough, uh, you know, to to have it. And I wanted to share specifically uh, with my Russian, um, you know, fellow event profs. Uh, and I started a blog in two languages, so that you know, this is what I aimed for um, in the beginning. And then gradually it evolved into consultancy because I realized that I can do it and I started some projects and I you know I, I started having some clients and uh, by now it's um, so I'm an event consultant and I uh, help other event professionals with event strategy event concept uh, or event content and um I either do it from scratch or I offer them an external 
uh, perspective. So I review the existing strategy or the existing content and I suggest the new ideas and the, you know, new uh, concepts, new approaches to, to apply. And among of those approaches is the scientific approach and uh, what I call uh, event psychology. And it's not a, a, a sort of a separate approach to planning events. It's like uh, an addition to existing approaches. It's just that you need to really be aware about um, you know, the, the importance of applying the knowledge uh, of a human mind and human behavior uh, in events. And this is where, uh, and I understand, you know, like with general, uh, general consultancy um, or with, uh, you know, event psychology consultancy, um, event planners just do not have a lot of time. It feels overwhelming for them to sort of uh, go and learn something else, something more. And it's perfectly understandable. I have been an event planner myself, so I've run events for many years and I do know how they feel. Yes. So yeah. this is where I, 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 I say to them that, okay, I know that you don't have time, you're busy, and uh, sometimes you don't have this precious resource time and you don't have uh, the uh, uh, or other resources to to invest into go and searching uh, researching about different other methods or different uh, approaches or trends and this is where I can help so this is what I do and with events psychology specifically I started doing um, I started sort of suggesting different ways and methods uh, specifically from from that niche from that area of knowledge so that gradually uh, we can come to um, you know understanding how it is important and how it is useful yeah. uh, in event planning process yeah exactly and that's my next question really around you know as an events planner you might sit here and go well you know why should i consider event psychology you know and the human mind and, and the humans behaviors and trends and things like that what does it mean why do why would i implement that into my events so you know can you talk us through the benefits of of, of including event psychology in your event what what are the benefits of that Oh, absolutely. I love this quote by um, Richard Chatway. It's a behavioral scientist, uh, scientist from the from the UK. And he says in his book, um, so if you're in business, you're in business of behavior. And I just love it because it explains it all. You know, we, we do events, it's for people and with people. And it's all about people, how we learn, how we interact, how we get inspired. And, um, and so when you know uh, how people think, when you know how they make decisions, when you know what motivates them, when you know what drives, uh, you know, their behavior, what, what makes uh, things memorable for them, yeah. uh, how they get engaged into specific activities, uh, so it's sort of uh, it's sort of easier to create better events, to create better uh, event design and event journey, and eventually get uh, better outcomes from from the experience for all involved. And this is, in short, why why event psychology. <laughs> 
And it covers so many different things. And as I was looking through, you know, your your research and, and the, the sort of areas that you cover, you have even covered like some one of the blogs that I was reading was around the type of music that you choose at an event and how that creates the atmosphere and, and it makes how it makes people feel. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and just even little things like that. And, and obviously there's the other things as well around attention span and things like that, too. So there's so much, isn't there? And I don't know if people realise or events professionals realise that that is all event psychology, isn't it? It all helps with that engagement piece absolutely you know it can um i've got a question uh recently about where it can be applied and that literally my answer is like everywhere it can be applied to any aspect and any element of the event design Uh, you know concept content um uh you know uh safety right now it's it's a big issue right and uh uh, you know pricing how how people you know choose and what influences their decision when they buy a ticket to your event um uh you know emotions how you create that atmosphere you what what um what can help you create specific atmosphere at your event, specific mood, um, and uh, you know how how physical settings uh, uh, influence. Uh, how people feel at your event you know uh, there are for example studies that show that uh, different sort of level of light the brightness uh, can can influence how people behave uh, during uh, during the event for example and um, so uh, you know it can be applied to any aspect of the event design and also to your own professional life you know your well-being and uh and and i think it's 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 a very important thing to understand as well and to be aware of and probably to apply in your life because event planners um the, the job is is very complex and is a demanding job so and i know we've got a lot of discussions going on right now uh or maybe for some time uh, by now about well-being and mental health specifically in our in our area in our profession and so this is important uh, to know that you can apply uh, insights uh, from from sciences like psychology and behavioral science uh, uh, to that as well and improve your well-being so literally like anything can be can be tackled with all with the different touch points isn't it and absolutely yeah planning phase and thinking about your your delegate experience or your customer experience from everything that they're going to touch feel think and and, and how you want them to feel so it right. is, it's such a massive area and i think um my thoughts right now might be that our listeners might be listening right now as an events planner thinking to themselves oh crikey this is just too much mm-hmm. um, this is just right. so much where do i yeah. start and i yeah. know I'm looking at your website that you run the event psychology lab, don't you? Um, And, you know, what from the event psychology lab, what sort of things do you teach people? First of all, what are the the key principles around that? Mm -hmm. Uh, So event psychology lab is my first online course in this particular um, uh, field. Uh, And I, I wanted with that course, I wanted to give this uh, uh, to uh, event planners as a starting point because this will be this is uh, this is um, um, uh, so this is planned as uh, the first in a series of courses which I hope to to develop later on as well and uh, so this is the first one which shows them how to apply different very simple 
um, uh, uh, simple uh, tools yeah. and simple concepts. Uh, I mean, they are not simple by, by themselves, but I mean, uh, you can actually um, uh, go and, and uh, sort of get a feeling of how it can be easily applied into your daily event planning routine, let's say so. Yeah. And uh, so this is the first one. Uh, and I hope with this course, people can get an understanding uh, and uh, getting more aware about, uh, a, you know, necessity, the need to apply uh, behavioral science in events first. And then they get those tools and practical solutions. Uh, and uh, I hope that uh, my, my third aim is that they can um, get inspired to explore more and to go further and, uh, you know, use uh, this knowledge as a starting point on this journey uh, into, into behavioral science and events. And that's it, isn't it? I think, like we say, it could overwhelm an events planner or an events professional. So if they, they just think about a few things, first of all, a starting block and dipping their toe in to understand a few Right, things, yeah. And then those blocks. And I know that it, it might feel overwhelming, you know, thinking about it. And, and people ask me those questions uh, like, do I need a psychology degree? And yeah. no, you don't. And my answer is no, you don't, because it's not, uh, uh, I mean, it's complicated. And the uh, human behavior is a complicated topic. And obviously, you know, there are a lot of researchers and, you know, psychologists and behavioral scientists that uh, tackle different complicated questions. And what we get from those are just the results of the huge amount of work they do yeah. but at the same time it's not a rocket science you don't need to be a psychologist to learn about you know different cognitive biases about different concepts that uh, or different mechanisms that drive our own behavior and you can definitely recognize a lot of patterns uh, you know behavior uh, in yourself yeah. and uh, and um I mean, it can feel overwhelming, yes, but you still can do it. And that, that's, that's absolutely, you know, possible yeah. and, uh, and necessary because when you know how it works, you can fine tune your event planning processes and that will facilitate your work going forward. Agree. And I think once someone starts looking into it as an events professional, they will probably realize that actually they are already implementing certain things anyway. We're already exactly. thinking about the, what's the right lighting and the right mood and the state of the room when people walk in or, or they sit down and it's inviting. We already think about what food we're giving at mm -hmm. lunch and break times to make sure that it is healthy and it is, it's going to help them get through the day and it's the right foods. And, and we're thinking about that natural daylight within the rooms and things. Um, mm -hmm. So my other point that I wanted to come on to is the content, the actual content. So, you know, as I'm, I've always been quite a, well, I am a corporate events professional mm -hmm. and a lot of, a lot of big conferences where people are sitting and listening to a lot of information all day. And we want to make that content as engaging as possible. How can you use that event psychology to make sure that that content is as engaging and capturing the, you know, the inspiration of the people that are listening to it? What do you, what do you think about so uh, we probably heard a lot, um, you know, as of recently about attention spans and, you know, uh, um, those kind of things. And it's sort of uh, those, those things that come up to the surface from all the amount of information about how our brains work 
uh, how we focus and how we can get people focus, yeah. focused yeah. and then how we can manage, uh, you know, um, what they remember from the event, yeah. you know, yeah. all these kind of things. So, yeah. but what we get on the surface is, you know, attention spans, attention spans are shorter, for example, uh, or they are shorter for virtual events, all these kind of things. While, you know, in, in, in a way it's true, but uh, what I aim with my work on a, uh, with event psychology is that um, we don't, uh, I don't want people to fall into that trap of just getting uh, some tricks yes. and, and yes. thinking that it may work just just because it's a, it's a magic trick now the there are like there are universal patterns of behavior and there are some uh universal concepts that we need to um to be guided by uh but we don't need uh, we 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 don't um uh we we shouldn't we shouldn't think that it, there is a magic pill, uh, you know, in behavioral science or in psychology that will always work for yeah, your yeah. audience or for your event. And you and what I want with my work, uh, what I want to do with my work is to make people aware that there is a system that they need to understand. There is a there, there are concepts they need to understand, and then apply them on a case by case basis. Because you know we are. We do know about common partners of behavior, but we still are very, very different and each of us is unique. Uh, you know, each of our attendees, uh, you know, is unique. And so uh, the, 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 those, those rules and those concepts can be applied, but we need to be careful about what we do specifically for uh, for, for, for any uh, particular event. And so when it comes to content, uh, yes, uh, um, you know, there are a lot of insights about uh, from psychology of learning or from social psychology that we can apply to learning, to, um, uh, to uh, networking uh, elements of our event and be guided by those uh, in, um, in, in when we create the elements of learning and networking. And so, uh, uh, so for example, it's about, you know, making things uh, simple uh, in, in how we design the learning, uh, the, the content part of, of, um, of the event. Uh, because uh, what we usually did uh, and I'm sure you remember and you can refer to that, you know, those sessions that lasted like forever and, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, and everybody seemed to be fine with that. But suddenly <laughs> it turned out that no, <laughs> no, people were not happy about that. And I have been talking about, you know, shortening the sessions uh, for a long, long time, uh, even before I started my work uh, uh, on event psychology, or or even before when it it, it, it became a mainstream. Like right now with uh, virtual events, especially everybody is aware that yes, we need to make it shorter. Yeah. <laughs> and then um, and so um, uh, there is another uh, another thing I wanted to mention that uh, you know uh, I'm sure that like. Uh, like myself, a lot of event planners do things uh, when they design events, they do it by gut feeling. They are guided by their gut feeling and they do it right. Yeah. And so I got a question, for example, how, why would I need to 
know about those concepts and why would I need to know how to apply those in advance if I if I do it anyway if if I do it right I for example do shorter sessions and you know I don't need or I use surprise to get uh, people's attention uh, so it's it's a common sense thing so I don't need to learn or go and you know um, uh, uh, go to a training or go and uh, get a course about that but uh what i argue is that when when you do it by gut feeling you can arrive at the same conclusions but uh, it will take you much more time yes and then when you are not aware about how it works uh about the the basics about the uh, generally about the system um you just do it um spontaneously exactly. uh, and when you know that there is um, there is specific concept that you can use then uh, uh, or, or there is specific tool that you can use uh, you do it intentionally you apply it intentionally and then um, you know you you uh, you just arrive at the same uh, you, you you arrive uh, to better results uh, faster than others yeah and it's you're more educated on it aren't you so you, you like you say you're using your time more wisely you'll get there better and as you know you'll probably be able to advise your your senior stakeholders or your clients or whatever in a better right. fashion quicker um and they uh, and you, your respect will be you'll grow your respect a lot quicker in that sense mm-hmm. yeah, I agree yes with that. Um, can I come to virtual events? You mentioned them there for a moment. Um, and I do wonder, um, and we know that we're, we're starting to think about patterns of behaviour for virtual events. And we've talked there about sh- um, shortening the time um, of the sessions just because of attention span. Um, how do you feel around understanding human behaviour for virtual events? Is it more critical once we're, while we're planning virtual events to understand human behaviour and our, mm. our patterns? You know, I don't think it's more critical because human behavior doesn't really change based on uh, where where we are at at live events or online events. So I think it's it's equally applicable to both types. But we need again to understand uh, what what is the priority uh, yeah. for us to, to tackle, uh, depending on uh, whether it's uh, a live or an online event. Uh, so, for example, uh, obviously, uh, at in-person events, uh, we, we would need to uh, think about uh, things like physical settings, there were the, those that I mentioned already. So we, we should think about food and about uh, lights and about music. And uh, that uh, uh, comparing to virtual events, it might be more. Yes, so it might be it might be something that we need to, to think more about. And then uh, uh, for virtual events, because uh, because of the nature, we need to think about how people uh, how people feel being at, at their own homes. And it's it's it gets complicated in the sense that we cannot really control the environment yeah. uh, around them. So we need to understand how how it works and what we can do about it. So for example, uh, we still can influence some of the senses. Uh, let's say we can use music 
yes. to create specific mood and create specific um, uh, emotions. So uh, we still can, uh, you know, use obviously, you know, vision is, is the main, uh, the main uh, sense that we, we can control for example, uh, uh, at an online event. But uh, there are other solutions that we can use uh, to involve uh, uh, different other senses. And we, we could see, you know, uh, events uh, uh, successful in that. So, you know, they use rare food to their attendees, yeah. you know, and all this, uh, this bag uh, to, to, to motivate them or to use gamification or to just you know make them feel happy and uh, so those are kind of things that we use and uh, it's not something very new but then when you know what you actually do with that specific idea with that specific solution how it affects people on a brain level uh, so knowing that you can intentionally create better solutions uh, and, uh, and, and better ideas. Yeah, completely agree. You're right, isn't it? It's, ado- it's adopting different ideas and solutions for a virtual event, like you mm-hmm. say, making, making people, surprising and delighting people with nice packages that come through the post. It's physical and tangible, um, rather right. than sitting in front of a computer and, and watching virtually on, on a screen all the time. If you've got something that you know the other delegates have got as well, you feel part of that community and it, it becomes right. a bit more real, doesn't it? Yes, yeah, yes. I, I definitely like that. Absolutely. Um, I'm interested, I don't know if there has been that much research done yet, bearing in mind that we've been in this for around eight months now. Have, has there been much research done conducted around understanding the impact of online events um, mm. versus a live events experience? So are mm. brands still finding the value in connecting with their audiences in the digital world? And are they still getting that customer delegate you know, connection? Not to my knowledge, actually, I haven't, uh, I haven't um, come across uh, any interesting research about this. I mean, there were some bits and pieces, but they were rather like, uh, you know, this, there is a concept in, in, in psychology called the confirmation bias, when we actually, <laughs> uh, when we prefer to receive information that confirms our existing beliefs. <laughs> so those kind of reports that I saw done by companies, they were just small and spor- sporadic and uh, were those kind of confirmation bias things. <laughs> so it's, it's you know, uh, confirming that yes, the, the live events uh, more engaging or more uh, interesting or more inspiring. So I haven't I haven't come across, uh, frankly, uh, the the research or studies done by by researchers by scientists uh, on this topic. So yeah, yeah. It's so it's something probably to look forward to. That's what I was going to say. Yeah, we're probably still in the middle of it at the moment, aren't we? Yeah. So that you know the measurements are still being recorded probably at the moment. So that'll probably be mm. a year or two down the line. Yeah. Um, but I wasn't also my next question for you was all around, you know, when when the human behavior in live events. So at the moment, everybody is conducting their lives in a really small bubble. We are virtually connected with people. And I was wondering how as an events professional, we might have to change how we um, how we deliver events, live events in the future when when humans all come back together. Do you think we will have to change how we deliver live events based on this pandemic and, and mm. how people will feel? 
I think definitely it will change uh, in the future because we sort of, uh, we were exposed to online events world and a lot of people realized what they haven't realized before. Although, you know, it's not a new thing. We have been doing, or some some uh, some companies have been doing online events for a while already, right? But then the scale is completely different. And I, uh, and we, um, we need to, um, to understand that a lot of uh, people from from our audiences they they were not exposed to that level uh, yeah i mean to that level of 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 uh, online yeah, <laughs> or events right. world right and then I believe there is no way back because now people will see uh, and uh, will be guided by different benefits that online events offer. For example, uh, you don't need to travel. Uh, you don't need to spend time away from your family. And we need to understand that the, the expectations and the, the values in society are changing. So a lot of people value being uh, value their family time more uh, right now than, uh, for example, previous generations. And uh, and uh, we need to take that into account. And so uh, th this will this will affect uh, uh, decisions made by by our audiences, right? And so understanding these changing uh, changing values and expectations again, it has always been a thing. We we needed to we we always needed to learn about expectations and uh, and what people think about different other things that are not related to events uh, specifically, right? But now because. Uh, the world has changed so dramatically. This will have even bigger effect on, on uh, we are planning events, in-person events. Agree. And I also think there will, uh, there will be some positives out of this. You know, like you talk about, um, you know, you're in Seattle, I'm in the UK. Um, you know, there was a certain time when a planning an event, it would be like, well, you've got to get everyone to the same place to be able to mm -hmm. experience that event together. Yeah. Whereas going forward now, there will be that hybrid solution. So, yes. you know, you won't, if the event's in the UK, you won't have to travel from Seattle if you don't want to. Hopefully there'll be live streaming options mm -hmm. and, you know, so that, yeah. It is going to open up the events industry to being a lot more versatile, I think. Yeah, and I and I uh, and I was wondering why we haven't adopted the, those kind of solutions before. Agreed. It seems to have so many benefits, and um, um, my answer is that you know change is hard, and this particular change was imposed. Uh, rather than it was like a natural a natural uh, development of, of the state of affairs, right? So change is hard and this is why we haven't we haven't done it on, on that massive scale. Yeah. But now when we are forced to, now there is no way back and I think, it, it's all it's also for the better Absolutely. you know I, yeah I wouldn't complain <laughs> because you know frankly I, I I've met many more people uh, over you know last year than I would probably have uh, met uh, otherwise so for some reason you know it has it's a paradoxical effect uh, or counterintuitive effect because you know it's not that I was hiding away from people before no but for some reason you know I had uh, you know and because of this boom of online meetings and um, you know online events I, I was able to meet more people 
Um, so yes, and I think a lot of uh, a lot of event planners or a lot of people from the audiences would agree that it's it's uh, it's it's great to be able to do that. It is. Our community is very open and welcoming right now, isn't it? And it has been. Uh, yeah. Busy, yeah. Definitely. Um, so my final question for you as a event psychology professional, we've talked about the fact it could be quite overwhelming for events professionals to tackle this um, and just to start thinking about it. Mm-hmm. So can you share your favorite tools and resources to where you go to for advice to help you? Obviously, Matey events, of course, you can help. But you know, where do, where do you go if people want to find out more? Um, where can they? Yeah, go? Uh, my advice would be, you know, if you want to do it on your own, uh, like start with books. Yeah, there are so many amazing amazing books out there which are easy to read and you know clear in how they uh, explain different uh, different um, scientific concepts or scientific findings and so uh, I this is the the first thing I would suggest you do and obviously I mean if if you feel like you need more I would suggest you know I have a I have a section on my website where I uh, collect different reads, different articles and studies that I think might be applicable uh, or specifically talking about applying um, behavioral science in events. So those are, this is a collection of different materials, uh, resources that you can use uh, books first, and then uh, you can go and explore specific, uh, you know, concepts on your own as well. And now, of course, like I, I could recommend the, the course, the online course, which is just two and a half hours. So it's, it's very, it's very short, but basic, and you can uh, learn about cognitive biases and, you know, um, how to engage people, how to use um, memory, uh, how to use the concept of memorability. You know, I've got a lot of books yeah, here as well, you know, <laughs> and uh, I've got a post uh, on my website about uh, uh, behavioral, uh, behavioral science books that event planners should read. So I, I list them there as well. So these are, yeah, these are the things that I would suggest you do. And I have had a good look around your website and uh, I, I was just kept reading different things and it was fascinating. So I would suggest that having done, having gone to your website to read about it, I would definitely suggest listeners go to your website actually and have a good look through because it just opens your mind up to different event psychology tips and actually things that you need to be thinking about as an events pl- planner. So that ties in nicely. If you could um, sort of tell people, how do we find you? So where's the best pl- place for people to contact you? Like your website, socials and mm-hmm. things? My website is matey.events, so it's pretty easy to remember. And uh, uh, you can also find me on LinkedIn, it's Victoria Matey. And uh, my uh, my socials are matey.events, so the handle is matey.events. And you can uh, find me on Twitter, on Instagram, or Facebook. I'm uh, For the English-speaking audience, I, I am very much uh, active on Twitter and LinkedIn. Excellent. And I'm sure lots of people will be doing so right now. Victoria, this has been so much fun, actually, and so insightful. And um, I could spend hours talking to you. So thank you very much for this. Thank you for having me. That was a really interesting discussion for me. So are you guys still with me? Now, that was so interesting, wasn't it? And I don't know about you, but it felt quite overwhelming at first. When I started to have a little look into the psychology of events, I did think, crikey, I'm not sure if I can take this on. 
However, when you start looking at how you plan your events, I do think that you'll already be implementing some of this into what you're already delivering. For example, we already think about the duration of events to make sure that we keep the delegates engagement throughout the, the session and not to make them too long. We think about the food that we are delivering for our delegates to make sure that it's healthy and it's going to help their minds keep moving through the afternoon. We think about the environment that we put them in. So, you know, if we're in meeting rooms, we think about making sure that it's nice and bright and they've got daylight and things. So we're already thinking about how to get the best out of somebody's behavior. So don't worry, just start reading a little bit, research a bit. And if you want to find out more, give me a shout or give Victoria a shout and we'll, I'm happy to share and mull things over with you too. So we're well into season two now, aren't we? So I do want to hear your feedback. Are you enjoying it? Are you getting everything out of it you hoped? Please do get in touch with me and let me know because we can only make this show better if we hear the feedback from you guys. So you can find me on all the socials. I'm Kelly Frew and I run my business Storymaker Events and you can find my email on storymakerevents.com. And don't forget, if you are a fan of the podcast, then please do share that with all your friends. Tell them all about it. And don't forget to give us that five-star rating on your usual podcast provider. I'll be back next week. I've got a really good one for you next week. You're going to enjoy it. The guy is lots of fun. And I'm not going to tell you any more than that until then. Enjoy your weeks. Take care. And I will see you very soon. Bye for now.